Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one glorious minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle. That would make me your other co-host, David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Chris? How are you today? I am doing well. Wonderful. Here we go, Minute 5 of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Minute 5, it's all credits again, right? So it starts with... A special appearance by Dame Judith Anderson. It ends a minute later talking about executive producer Gary Nardino. Gary Nardino. Hey, Gary Nardino. <laughs> that was my terrible Italian accent. I apologize <laughs> to you and everyone listening. All right. So before we start talking about all these names, um, we talked a little bit on Monday about the camera, well, I don't think the camera's rolling backwards, but the camera's pulling away from the Genesis planet, yes. right? Started with photon tubes, went through the clouds like Superman, um, and uh, fades, to, fades to white again. Um, it does, yes. Second fade to white, and now we're in the star fields. Um, but the uh, the star fields are going, we're, we're pulling away here to the star fields going in reverse. So uh, just continuing the, and I had to go back and look. I'm like, oh, is that what they normally do? They usually go, go forward, forward, right? And uh, yeah, Wrath of Khan uh, started Starfield going forward. So yeah. this is the op- this is the opposite. I don't know if Leonard Nimoy was doing this deliberately or if it was really just continuing on the theme of pulling away from the planet. That would be my guess. Um, but when you're looking at these things a minute at a time, it's it's like, oh, interesting. Why did they do that? Right. Yeah. I don't like it. it. Makes me dizzy. <laughs> well, it'll all pay off in the next minute. <laughs> That's true. Okay, we'll save it for there. So let's talk about all of these people <laughs> that are in Star Trek Three. So we've got yes. last minute we talked about uh, the old gang yep. and a couple of secondary characters coming back, but now we've got special appearance. This starts off with special appearance by Dame Judith Anderson. Right. Um, and this apparently was a uh, big deal. Um, uh, I'm reading in Leonard Nimoy's book, I Am Spock. He talked about a little bit like this was a coup for him because he brought Dame Judith out of retirement um, to appear in the film. And uh, she thinks she was, was she 87? Is that what we talked about? She's 87 at the time that they filmed this? Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, almost uh, she was almost 100 when she passed away. Yeah, born in 1897. So that's uh, crazy. You don't hear that very often, but uh, Dame Judith was uh, in her heyday. She was a major star on Broadway back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So nothing I ever saw, but uh, but she's back here to play uh, the High Priestess Talar. Yes, and uh, interesting as we were sort of bantering about uh, Talar, and as I was looking up some stuff, we found out a little weird nugget that I don't think I ever knew in the sort of expanded non-movie universe and uh, in, uh, you know, looking up Talar and, you know, different appearances, she makes an appearance in a book called uh, The Vulcan's Heart or Vulcan's Heart. It's a TOS novel. Mm -hmm. And in 2344, 
It says, Talar officiated at the marriage ceremony between Spock and Savick. No. Ew. Nope. This totally just makes me want to read that novel now to A, see if it's as bad as I think it will be, <laughs> and B, how in the world do they write that book? I, I, I think I, if I was going to theorize, I did not read that one. Um, if I was going to theorize, it must be based on events in this film, right? Not uh-huh. to jump ahead or anything, but I think there's there's some question marks about this film. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, so uh, are we going to flip for it to see who gets to read Vulcan's Heart? Well, you're more of the reader than I am. Oh, I got a lot of other books going on, though, man. Let me tell you Fear about another not. book I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> Fear not, listeners. By the end of this movie, we will have read this book, and we will give you a uh, look into that novel. A look into that Vulcan's Heart. Yes. Ooh. Uh, Zing! <laughs> ironically, neither of them are completely Vulcan. True. Right. Um, so yes, Dame Judith Anderson, more to come on her. Oh, she. Uh, other tidbit, she was nominated for a Saturn Award for her role as Talar. Um, so not a huge, not a huge appearance, um, but uh, enough to get her nominated for a nice science fiction award. I don't know if she, no, she just nominated, did not win, but... So yes, speaking of Savick, here comes the credit. Yes, Lieutenant Savick. I believe it's the same exact credit in Wrath of Khan. It's introducing uh, Robin Curtis as Lieutenant Savick. Well, in in, um, in Wrath of Khan, it just says introducing Kersey Alley as Savick. Savick, not okay. as Lieutenant Savick. Okay, uh, but basically the same sort of thing and you just sort of sit here and you're like what <laughs> well, what, what 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 happened this is another one too that would be you know talking about you know surprises for the audience what could be a surprise to the audience i don't savic is not featured in the trailers either no um so one would expect if we were going to see savic it was going to be kirstie alley coming back and reprising her role um so now we got to deal with who this, who's this person? I'm right. already I'm already being pulled out of the movie and the credits are rolling. We're in minute five. Like, what? Rob, who the hell is Robin Curtis? Yeah, I am a little, you know, obviously I know, um, you know, a little bit about it, but I'm still, yeah, I know if I was sitting down, because, you know, obviously news today flows different than the news in 84. Mm-hmm. Like, you, if you were a fan, you got your news from, you know, word of mouth or uh, the the magazines like Starlog or what have you. Right. You didn't fanzines. Yeah, fanzines. You didn't you didn't have the internet. You didn't have Twitter to be like, you know, oh, casting Kirstie Alley's out and Robin Curtis in as uh, you know, head to head to our website. You know, 140 characters of that. You know, back then it was you had to wait. You sound a little bit like grumpy old man Dave just there. Oh, I'm sorry. I love Twitter, by the way. I love Twitter. Okay. It, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not cranking on Twitter. I just. I'm just saying, like it's. It's funny how we, we take for granted, like, you know, a example would be the new Han Solo movie that's coming out, and you know the director is no longer on the movie. Oh, like yes. you, back and back then, you wouldn't have known that until you would have gone to the movie or had again seen it in a magazine or, word of mouth, as word of mouth travels. 
and I think like you like you mentioned, you sort of sit down and you're like you're ready for the movie and you're watching the credits and this comes up, you're probably like, What? People are standing up in the aisles and leaving. I mean uh, you know, and and I it? and I think both of us loved her performance. Uh, Kirstie Alley's performance in <laughs> Wrath of Khan. Okay. I thought you'd about Robin Curtis. No, no, no Wait sorry. Speak for no, yourself, Bob. Yeah, speak for yourself, buddy. Um, no, I mean, I think we both love Kirstie Alley's performance as Savick in, in Wrath of Khan. Yep. So to oh, sit yeah. down that, I think, would have been a little, yeah, like you said, pulling you out. Right. You know, it's funny uh, you say that, uh, talking going back to your comment about Twitter. and It's really easier these days to be a hardcore nerd. Hmm. Don't you think? It's almost, I mean... I wonder if, um, of course, you and I are are older nerds, but there are nerds older than us. I wonder if they look down on all these people, all these fanboys that are out there today. Like, you call yourself a fanboy? <laughs> I used to have to write letters. I used to have to drive to conventions, you know, and that was the only place I got my news. Right. These yeah. days, like we're hearing about it, like you said, you know, you're hearing about it 20 minutes after a decision is made in L.A. We all yeah. know about it, right? It's already being discussed and dissected and. That's, that's interesting. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more. So easy to be a geek. Not like the old days. Not like the old days where you had to work at it. <laughs> had to work for you it. Had, you had to walk 20 miles to school uphill both ways in three feet of snow. You had to wait for your star log issue to arrive in the mail. <laughs> um, all right. So Robin Curtis. So this is really her first uh, big movie. Um She'd only done a few things before. Um, notably, she's on General Hospital and Knight Rider. Ooh, Knight Rider. So that's fun. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Search for Spock was her first big film. And uh, really after that, <laughs> she's just mostly she does mostly TV. She, she obviously came back, did The Voyage Home, and then it was mostly TV shows, and uh, including Star Trek The Next Generation. So we had uh, – we talked about that last, last season that um, – <laughs> Merritt Buttrick had come back as a guest star. And who's the other actor, Dave? For, uh, no, it was uh, um, Paul Winfield did a, a, an episode, as did um, uh, Joaquin did an episode with Merritt Buttr- Buttrick. Um, they were in the same They were same, in the same episode. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, numerous people have done Next Generation. It's just the one thing that I also find – curious about this is that obviously Kirstie Alley is the one that paved the way for Savick, but if you look at the books like I was looking up Vulcan's heart and you look at the the imagery, you know how they sort of translate the actors into, you know, art form and they paint these 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 great looking novel covers, it's always Robin Curtis's likeness. Like she oh, really? sort of because from Star Trek 3 she became Savick and so from then on it's been sort of her likeness. Yeah, that's too bad. I wonder if there's like legal reasons. You think Kirstie Alley said no? I don't want my my face painted on the cover. I wonder if she gets to decide that. Yeah, I don't know. Or she had to give up her rights to her likeness. Oh, maybe. All right, who else we got? Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Now, now let me ask you this. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not much older than you, like months older, but I used to watch the TV show Taxi. Uh huh. And, you know, it was, I think by the time I was old enough to watch it, I don't know if it was in reruns or if it was live, I don't remember. And I'm not going to go look for it because I'm not going to age myself here. But um, uh, I love this character, Jim, on Taxi. 
Okay. I, I, sadly, I, I glanced at Taxi. I don't think I've ever sat through a whole episode of Taxi, so I have no experience other than, you know, he was featured in all the commercials. <laughs> you know, all his, all his funniest moments would be in the commercials. That's really my only experience with wow. him. And he reminds me of sort of a, a Kramer-esque character, like he was Kramer before Kramer was cool. I was looking at other things that Christopher Lloyd had done kind of beforehand. So Taxi was kind of his big, biggest one, but uh, I, I had a laugh out loud. He had, he had a small role in Mr. Mom. And uh, Did he? Mike, <laughs> he was, he worked with Michael Keaton at, uh, was it the car factory? Where did they work? Was it a, no, that was, um, no, that was that the was other Mr. one. Mom, that was uh, gung ho. Gung ho. Oh, well they worked at, they worked at a factory. Right. And then he got late. He got let go or laid off. That was what kind of started the whole, the beginning of the movie. Right. And <laughs> Christopher Lloyd was one of the, one of his partners that got laid off too. And, um, he just says his moment where he goes to, he goes to try to jump out a window. <laughs> He's like, I'm not getting fired. I'm going for disability or something like that. He goes to jump. <laughs> and that, 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 that moment has always stuck with me. So I don't know if there's any other Mr. Mom fans out there, but that moment is always, that's one of my favorites from that film. But yeah, I was in Mr. Mom. He was in taxi. He was in cheers, uh, a couple episodes of cheers. Hey. And then, yeah, he was. He made his way around, like the as as a lot of these actors do. They make their way around sort of the TV circuit until they, you know, they hit a, a you know a TV show like a Taxi or something, and then that paves the way to be in bigger things. And I think I feel like Star Trek Three is his biggest movie, his biggest movie to start his career because from there, it sort of explodes a little bit. Oh yeah, the following years, Back to the Future. Um, yeah, he's Where's Back to the Future, Clue. Um, Frame Roger Rabbit come out. That was that's eighty eight, right? and yeah. he was in Eight Men Out, and then Back to the Future, Back to the Future, and then I feel like it sort of, you know, he was in the Adams Family series, and from there, it just you know, I feel like he, he yeah. you know, he this was sort of like the starting point, because I go back and I watch you know like Star Trek three, and I'm like, oh, it's Doctor Brown, you know, it's Emmett Brown, but really, this predated any sort of. Back yeah. to the Future stuff, yeah. But I think people like, and I think Star people Trek. get confused by that. And it'll be interesting to talk to, um, you know, when we have them on later this season, is talking to Scott and Nick about it. Oh, absolutely. Which came first, right? Everybody assumes yeah. Doc Brown. Um, of course, you know, here's another one that so also in '84. So Search for Spock came out in '84. Yeah. Um, uh, the other kind of cult film or a cult, the cult film Buckaroo Banzai. Um, came out in '84, and he played, you know, Big Boutet in in that one. And I, I got it uh, uh, at the time we're recording this. I don't think there's a Buckaroo Banzai minute, but I strongly suspect there will be. Um, I think so. That, one, that one's just, you know, that's a cult classic these days, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's around the corner. So shout out to whoever's doing that. I feel like it's a cult classic, but I don't feel like people talk about it as much as they used to. Like, I remember when we were going to high school and we talked about it and we were like, oh, you know, no one, no one talks about this movie. Like, how great is it? And how, you know, we, we, we would watch it like on TV and stuff and be like, oh, Bakaru Bansai. I feel like nowadays, like, it's not held in the same sort of cult esteem as it once was. That's interesting. Like we cult, to, yeah. Our cult classics to, always, they fade away. Sometimes. Was it by generation? Like, do generations have their own sort of cult classic movies? Uh, I would guess yes. Now I'm 
totally lost in thought about who other cult classics. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm just thinking like Blade Runner was not like the huge box office success that we think it was. And, but that's a, th- to me, that's a cult classic. Like it wow. will always be a cult classic. Really? Like, I don't feel like that was a mainstream success. Well, I know that. I agree with that, that it wasn't. But, jeez, I, I don't know if I would call, if I would label it as a cult classic. Because cult classics to me, I'm going to stop saying cult classic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they always um, <laughs> um, they always seem campy to me. I always, I always mm. want to want tie, tie campiness to it. Would Johnny Dangerously be a cult classic? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't know, but I love that, that was, movie. <laughs> that was just my way of swinging around and getting that back in. We were talking about Johnny Dangerously off the air, <laughs> which we both agree is a fantastic movie. And was, again, calling out the Minute Community: if you're not doing Johnny Dangerously Minute, someone needs to and get on need, that Fargan Minute, <laughs> and we need a Fargan get on it. <laughs> All right, how about we come back to Star Trek? Oh, that's right. We're, we're in Star Trek minute, aren't we? Yeah. I know you want to talk about all these people in the credits. Uh, so we got Robin Curtis. Um, we'll, we will clearly talk about her a lot more as we get into it. Um, Christopher Lloyd is Krug. Same thing. Uh, then we fade to white again. Um, now we're in space. We're in space, and we're still going backwards. Yep. So Gene Roddenberry, uh, James Horner is back. Yay! Uh, <laughs> yay! I wanted to see what James Horner had been doing since Wrath of Khan. Um, that hack. <laughs> uh, he only had a couple of, well, you know, he had a few things, but of note, uh, 48 hours, yep. um, something wicked this way comes. And then we talked about this quite a bit last season, Krull, which was essentially Wrath which, of Khan. Right. Which is why I joke, you know, that he's a hack. I mean, he's not, he's, <laughs> I feel like he's a great composer, but Crawl is basically Wrath of Khan music wrapped up in a different package. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so Battle Beyond the Stars, Crawl, Wrath of Khan, you can yeah. put them all back. Just put them on shuffle and you wouldn't necessarily know what film you're listening to. Uh, uh, a couple others, Gorky Park, um, but then uh, back to Star Trek Three. It's good to have James Horner back. Um, yep. we'll, talk, we'll talk about him a little bit uh, We'll talk about all these guys a little bit more as the season goes on because there's um, you know, obviously reusing a lot of the score from Wrath of Khan, uh, but he's got some new stuff in here too. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, then we get into all the fun guys. Ralph Winter, associate producer. Associate producer. <laughs> good old um, Ralph Winter. Good old Ralph Winter. He did a lot of um, a lot of the Star Trek films uh, for the original series four, five, six. Um, and then he's gone on to do tons of stuff. He's producer for X-Men 2, for Planet of the Apes. Uh, Which Planet of the Apes? The Mark Wahlberg version, the original version, or the uh, recent version? Well, what's the... Aren't they all no. the same reboot? Well, it's you have the original Charlton Heston. No, no, no not that one. No, the, and no, then the, you re- have, the 2001. And then you have the Mark Wahlberg version. Yeah, 2000, yeah, the Mark, yeah the, orig- the, the reboot with Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Yes. But then there was the recent reboot with, um, you know, they did sort of the Andy Serkis was uh, Caesar. Yeah. And I think James Franco was in it. And see, I thought they were all, those were all tied together. I only saw the first one. I haven't seen all of the, the rest of them. I thought they I were don't all. Think so. if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I believe that the 
Mark Wahlberg one was a completely devoid of any sort of connection to any other Planet of the Apes movie. I was waiting for you to say like devoid of entertainment or something and just totally ripped Well, there's that too. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so Ralph Winder uh, obviously has gone on to uh, uh, he's got quite the uh, quite the list of credits, so good for him. Uh, what do we got? Edited by <laughs> Robert Chigrew. Good old uh, Robert Chigrew. Good old, I love Robert. He's great, man. He's been around forever. Um, this is his first Star Trek movie, so this uh, he didn't do uh, either of the prior films, um, and then just went on to do his his he's mostly TV movie, movies after this. So. I immediately go to, well, he must not have done a good job on this one. <laughs> he went back to TV, <laughs> making huge assumptions there. But um, Well, I have to wonder, like, after you're doing a major motion picture of this scale, and I'm sure there was, again, there's got to be a lot of pressure on these guys to do a really good job because you just had Ratha Khan, which, again, most people agree is in the top two of Star Trek movies, so you're following this, that thing, and you're the editor, man. You, you've got to, any of these people have got to be on their game. Yeah. Well, let's keep an eye on it. Maybe let's, uh, let's see how the editing, editing goes through this film. Let's critique Robert Chigrew. We will. Oh, Cause, we will. Because you and I could do so much better. I know. Uh, all right. Uh, art director, John Schilberg. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we already discussed the font and the logo, and I think we're in both agreement there that John made a poor choice for uh, going back to the motion picture logo format. We're going to blame John for that, I guess. Art director, yeah, he's the art director. Be, he's the yeah. one that does all the. He does all that, so John, we didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, he did not do much after Star Trek Three, and uh, you probably can see why. <laughs> oh man, weird is me mean now. This is we're joking. We're joking. It's credits, folks. It's credits. All right, director of photography Charles Carell, ASC. What does that stand for? American Society of Cinematographers. Of course. I don't think I ever knew that until I looked it up. That just rolls off the tongue. It does. Um, yeah, he's had a whole bit. He's 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 had all sorts of credits uh, as a director. Um, cinematographer he's been an actor in at least one show um but he's been all over all over the map we did uh he was a cinematographer animal house and and i and i was about to say oh and he did revenge of the nerds too nerds in paradise okay do we need to compare <laughs> which one was the better of the movies there oh it's been so long since i've seen revenge of the nerds too uh animal house where's our animal house minute yeah we're all about the giving people ideas for minutes. Well, better them than us. One movie is fine, thank you. Yeah, we got our hands full. All right, last last up, Gary Nardino, your pal and mine. Yes, Gary. <laughs> Gary. Uh, Gary, actually, not 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 a ton of uh, work either. He did uh, Star Trek Three, um, and everything else is like TV movies and TV series. Yeah, I got as a as a producer. Yeah, and I, and I go back to my original, you know, comment like we were talking about the other guy who went from movies to TV. I'm wondering if it's just the pressure of doing a, you know, I don't know. I'm guessing that once you do a full-length feature film, especially in a universe like Star Trek, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, like they're well-known commodities, you've got to be 
on your A game, and if you don't, you are going to the minor leagues. Yeah, but you know, think about it though. We're kind of you know we're teasing all these guys, right? That, a little bit, yeah. But you know, search for Spock was successful. It would did better oh, I, than oh, Wrath I, of Khan. Oh, I know, but you know, then you got to. By our measure, we believe that it was a good movie, and by box office receipts, but do they believe it was? And again, I, like I say, maybe they just didn't want the pressure of, you know, oh my god, i got to do another Star Trek movie, and it's got to be as good as those other two. Like you're, I can't do it. Yeah, I almost feel like it's like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. I think... Uh... We'll have to we'll have to be we'll have to keep this keep this in mind. I know we're you know we we have we're gonna have you know guests coming up and we'll have guests yeah. coming up next week. You know, we're gonna talk to you know new guests, returning guests, and uh, you know we always want to know how they rank the Star Trek films. Um, we'll be just curious to see where Star Trek Three lands overall. I think I'm gonna put a grid together or something and see everybody's ranking them uh, and see where see where they the most popular film is is on average. Right, yeah. Um, and I know talking to people that while I say the majority of people, and I said it, I think previously in this minute was that number two, Wrath of Khan is the number one movie. I am surprised to learn how many people like either the motion picture or they like search for Spock as their number one. Yeah. The more uh, yeah, people we talk to, the more people we talk to, the more, you know, I'm finding out that Wrath of Khan is not everyone's favorite Star Trek movie. They're and not how, coming on the and show. how wrong they all are. <laughs> I kid. I'm kidding. Yeah, you're out. All right, Dave. I think we've uh, milked this minute for all it's worth. Yes. Did you have anything else you want to? Credits can be fun. All right. Um, well, let's wrap this one up then, uh, folks. We'll be going to be back again on Friday. Um, so if you want to find us in the meantime, we're on all the social medias: Twitter at Star Trek Minute, Instagram the same at Star Trek Minute and we're on Tumblr this year too this season uh, so check us out Star Trek Minute we're uh, managed to score that name on all the social medias yes um, and we're going to be back again on Friday with Minute 6 of Star Trek 3 The Searcher Spock here at the Star Trek Minute bye now bye Gary Gary Gary